Well, good morning. Happy New Year. So we thought we'd uh, start 2016 off a little differently. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. All right. Going to do a little Ray K unscripted. <laughs> That's frightening. So I apologize in advance if you had lunch plans. We're going to order out for pizza. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, if you are new to Parkview, or, or maybe you haven't heard, uh, last year we uh, celebrated, about halfway through the year, we marked uh, Ray and Margie's 20th anniversary as uh, the pastor of this church. And uh, yeah, it's good. And as a part of that, as a way of honoring those 20 years, the elders got together and decided that after 20 years of ministry in, in this church, that it was time for Ray to take a sabbatical. And uh, the idea of sabbatical is a biblical one. It comes from a, a Hebrew word, Shabbat. And uh, Shabbat really means to cease all activities, to uh, stop what you're doing uh, and rest. What? Dave Davis quoting Hebrew, man. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm not all touchy-feely. <laughs> you, got, I went, you got the whole thing down. Oh, man, yeah, I went to Moody. Pretty, I know what's good, what. Pretty good. Pretty impressive. So, uh, and so for the next 12 weeks, starting tomorrow, Ray is going to take uh, a sabbatical. And uh, we thought a way of kicking that off uh, would be to sort of have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, uh, an opportunity to peel back a little bit of the curtain to see uh, Ray the, the man, the myth, and the, the legend. Uh, so, so that's what we're going to do. So we're going we're gonna to ask a few questions. We're just going to have a little dialogue here, and um, hopefully that will be something that you'll enjoy. So 20 years yeah. has come and gone. Uh, tell us a little bit about that very first Sunday. Well, um, <clears throat> so, you know, thinking back, uh, you know, I was in... I grew up in New Jersey, and we were in New Jersey for seven years as a youth pastor, and uh, had the chance to come out, um, leave God's country of New Jersey, and oh. come out to wow. the hinterlands of oh, Illinois. Right. And um, uh, so we came out. I didn't think it was nice enough to actually come to Illinois. That's, I figured that's where the nice people live, mm. and, but I, I was wrong. <laughs> and um, not that there aren't nice people here. Is that how that came across? This is the third time. This is the third service, so you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, yeah, my first Sunday here, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of was banking on about 100, 120 people mm -hmm. showing up. And uh, minutes before the service was supposed to start, I'm looking out the window. I'm like, where's all the cars? And uh, we ended up having 72 people, men, women, children. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was interesting because the first Sunday that I was speaking here was um, Michael Jordan's first time back in Chicago after his first retirement, right? So he was playing in Chicago that day. So I came out and I had a, had a Chicago Bulls hat on, and I said, it's no coincidence that Michael Jordan's first day back playing in Chicago uh, is my first day here speaking. And there wasn't a sound. Yeah. Not unlike what just happened just here. Very, very similar. Very similar. And, um, and I thought, I'm pretty sure everyone was saying, what's up with this guy? And I'm thinking, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. So I tossed the hat aside. We did the service. And then, uh, and then after the service, because Margie and the kids were still back east, after the service and everyone was gone, I went back into the, the corner of office in the old building. And God and I had a conversation. 
And it went something like this. God, either you made your first mistake in bringing me here, or I completely, I blew it. I, 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 this, is not, this is not the place for me. And uh, it was a pretty broken moment, I am not going to lie. Uh, but I was wrong on both counts. And um, so here we are almost 21 years later and going strong. Lots changed. Lots changed. Lots changed. What, what, what have been some of the things that you've seen change? Well, I've years? changed. Yes. Yeah. You had hair when you I got had hair. I had hair when I got hair. <laughs> um, a full head of hair. Um, um, but no, I've changed as a, I've changed as a, uh, as a person. I've changed as... Um, I've changed in my understanding of of God's of God's goodness and grace and and I've you know obviously we have we've had a lot of change in facility and obviously numbers but that's not the important thing the important thing is the change that I've been able to see in in, in our people and and the growth and the maturity and and people coming to faith in Jesus and and so that's that's really pretty been pretty cool it's been exciting yeah it's been quite a ride it has been. Yes, it has. Yeah, lots happened in 20 Lots years. happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, um, you talk a lot about the idea of grace. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot. Yes, yes. I do. <laughs> uh, so why is that such a hallmark thing for you? Why is that um, such an important message for you? <clears throat> well, look, it's the core of the gospel. It's what makes the good news good. If Jesus came and said, I've got good news for you, just be a better person. Try harder. You know, give more. Go to synagogue more. That would not have been very good news. That would have been crushing news. He didn't say that. He came with the news of grace, that he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So it's, not, it's, at, the core of the, it's at the core of the gospel. It's what the gospel is. So that makes it important. But it's important for me because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have the, the advantage of that. I didn't grow up going to Christian schools or anything like that. And you know, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty rough upbringing. You know, in so many respects, and um, I always tell the story. It's true. I'm the only only kid in my family who hasn't done jail time, and that's because I didn't get caught, yeah. not because I didn't deserve it. Yeah. And it doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Um, God's grace is shown in different ways in people. So I don't ever want to forget that. I don't want to forget where I've come from and what God has done. Uh, what he's done in my life, I haven't accomplished it. And, and so that's important for me to talk about and remind myself. Yeah. So, yeah. That's good. In, in over the six and a half years that you and I have been together, I, I've heard you say, I've heard you talk about grace, um, but I've heard you say in, in some way, shape, or another, um, this idea that we, we all really like to get grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're less inclined to give it. Yeah, it's the title of my book. Grace is great for me, but not so much for you. (laughs) That's kind of how we behave, right? That's how we live. Like, God's grace is a wonderful thing for me, and your grace toward me is a wonderful thing for me, but eh, I'm not really too into giving, extending grace to you. Um, And I think that's that's, that's part of being human, the selfish side of human, our humanity. And, And I think, unfortunately... We see it played out in our in our lives and in in the church. You know, we we withhold forgiveness and grace and uh, mercy from one another. And I, I don't quite get that because it seems to me if you've 
not just doesn't seem to me, Jesus said, I mean, if you've experienced forgiveness, if you've experienced God's grace and you truly understand it, it's going to change you. It's going to make you be a person who extends it quickly to others. But we don't always, don't always see that in the church. So why, why do you think that's so hard for us? Why, why do you think it's so hard for us to sort of receive that, but it doesn't always translate into change? I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured that out other than we're all so broken, so deeply broken. You know, it takes time for that brokenness to heal. I think, I think today I'm a much more grace-oriented person than I was, you know, even 20 years ago when I started here. So it's our brokenness. And, um, and you know, let's face it, if I can point out your flaws <laughs> and point out and judge you, I feel a lot better about myself. Yeah. And that happens in the church. Yeah. We measure spirituality and by... Um, by these, these externals or these arbitrary measuring sticks that we create, not what God has yeah. created. So it's part of our brokenness, I guess. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to ask you kind of an Oprah-esque question mm-hmm. now. So okay. uh, looking back, you've been in ministry 28, 29 years. Uh, you've learned a lot. You've gained some wisdom. Uh, what would you look back to that much younger you uh, what pieces of advice would you give? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I would give the same advice to me that I was given, right? You make sense? Uh, I would give younger Ray with hair the same advice that I was given when I had hair. Uh, let me explain that. Uh, when I came out of grad school, I became I was a youth pastor for for a number of years, and the senior pastor of the church I served in uh, has become a mentor to me. He's sp- he's spoken here a couple times. Some of you've met him, and uh, we've been we've remained close over the years. But uh, early on, when I started, he he pulled me aside one day and sat me down. He said, he pointed at me. He says, "Listen to me. There's only there's one thing in life that." people can't take from you, and that's your integrity. You give it away. And he looked me right in the face, and he said, don't give it away. Hmm. And uh, I remember that. I'll, I'll never forget that. And it was, it was, it was good advice. And, um, and I share it with every staff person that comes, comes through our doors and people we work with because it, it's so true. You know, people can't take your integrity. You can hold on to it, but you have to want to. So I would tell me that. I would tell younger younger Ray to read more. Because I didn't really, I came out of grad school, I thought I had it all figured out, you know. And then I found out that I didn't. And the longer I'm in this work, the more I realize I don't know. And so I would tell, I would tell myself, you know, start reading, do it now, don't wait. Um, and I, I think I would tell myself to uh, don't, don't take yourself too seriously. You're only as good as your last sermon, yeah. you know. And, uh, and um, you know, the, I know this, this sounds cliche, and I stay away from cliches, but a verse of Scripture that's made a, meant a lot to me in my life is in John 3.30 when, um, you know, John the Baptist was talking about Jesus. Now, John was a guy who Jesus said, there's been no one born among women who's greater than, than this person, John. Jesus said that about him. That's a pretty big compliment. Yeah. Uh, and yet John, in turn, said about Jesus, uh, he, he said, he must become greater, I must become less. And that was John's, that was his ministry mantra. And I, I came across that, that verse hit me back in grad school, and I've, 
I've kind of I've kind of tried to own it because I think that's the key to longevity and success in ministry and in life as a Christian. You know that it's about Jesus, about Him becoming greater and me becoming a lot less. Yeah. So uh, I, I think if we all took that to heart, we'd all be in a good yeah, good absolutely. place. I can't imagine uh, you reading more than you do. We've created a montage of all the book covers you've used over the 20 years. No, just kidding. <laughs> I know. I put a lot of book covers up there. Um, so w- w- what would you say has been the best part of being the pastor of this church, this local body of believers for 20 years? Uh, well, there's been a lot of good parts to it. I, I think... Um, I think I think having started off as a small church, um, um, just being open to be with people and just to be real, and I appreciate the church has given me the option just to be me. As, you know, I don't have enough energy to be anyone else anyway. So you know, I, I have the freedom just to be myself, and 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 then. Um, and then experience community with our with with people, walk through life with them, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, and ex- truly experience community, which is why life groups are so important to us now because the church has gotten to a size where we have to intentionally be in these smaller venues to experience that kind of communi- community because we experience some community here in the big group, right? I mean, we, we study scripture together, we pray together, we sing together, uh, but, but we don't do life in this room together. But uh, for me, doing, doing life with people has been really, was, has been really good. Hmm. So there's a flip side to that question. Uh, as you can imagine, what's what's been the most difficult, the hardest part? Of Doing being... life with people, <laughs> because there's a vulnerability vulnerability to that, mm-hmm. and I think for pastors, you know, when you when you you, you care about you care about your people, and and you want the best for them, and um, you go through a lot of, you know, a lot of ups and a lot of downs with people in their lives, and you get really close to them. Um, and then you know people will people will people will turn in and walk away from that mm-hmm. for pretty simplistic reasons um one of the one of the lessons i've I've learned over these years and it's a hard one, but it's a true one and that is in in the positions that we hold in the church your 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 biggest fan one day can be your harshest critic the next mm. and uh and that's that's rough mm. and um that takes a toll yeah. yeah it takes a toll that's taken a toll yeah right? it's been that's been hard it has been mm-hmm. yeah but you want, you want to unpack that some more not really oh, okay <laughs> you're not crying yet i'm not you? crying no, okay no. Good. i'm good i'm good. good i'm holding it together dave davis yeah but i think you're right i mean that that notion of being uh, fully integrated into people's lives can be the, the the richest reward in the world, but it can also be a very difficult thing, not just on us, but on our families, yeah. on um, the people in which we love. Well, and it's part of leadership. I mean, you have to you have to make hard calls in yeah. leadership, and um, whether you're it's leadership in a business or leadership in your family, leadership in the church, you have to make difficult decisions, and God has placed that on our shoulders to do it. And it's not easy, and not always. Not, everyone's not always going to agree with the decisions that are made, which is fine with me. That's okay. I'm okay with, I'm okay with with disagreement. Um, but um, 
You know, the church has become a place in America where, you know, I, if I don't like what you, decision you're making, I'm just going to, I'm going to go down the street to, you know, second church or third church, you know. Um, and I don't, I just, I wrestle with that, yeah. you know. It's, church is a funny thing because you, you call someone, the church calls someone in, in to lead them. And the church pays your salary, yeah. So leading that is a weird dynamic, right. especially when it comes to hard decisions. Um, because people just say, I'm going to pick up my marbles and leave. I don't like that decision. Okay. And, you know, and that's really, that's hard to take. Yeah. You, get, you yeah. get close to people and that, and that happens, but it is what it is. So what would you say is the greatest misconception that people who aren't in ministry have about church work, church leadership, being a pastor? I mean, you know, other than the fact that we only work one day a week, what's right, another right. misconception? Right. Yep. Another misconception that people might have. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know for sure what the misconceptions are. Uh, I venture to guess a misconception is that this is an e easy gig. Hmm. That's a, it's an easy gig. You know, you, you talk a little bit. You know, on Sunday, you head to the hospital a couple times. and um, But it's really, really not easy. Uh, it's a lot harder than I actually thought it was going to be, you know, coming out of grad school. But, <clears throat> you know, Forbes magazine in 2014 said being a pastor is one of the top five hardest leadership roles to have mm. in the job world. Mm. Now, I didn't say that. Forbes magazine said it. Yeah. And if Forbes said it, it must be, must true, be true, right? So... But, the, but it's interesting, the statistics bear it, bear it out to a certain degree because, and you might not realize this, but 40% uh, of uh, people who go into pastoral ministry, 40% don't survive the first five years. Of the 60% that survive up to 10 years, it's 10 years and done, they quit and they're out. Because it's just not, it's not easy. Yeah. So I'm just happy I'm breaking the, I'm, yes. I'm breaking the statistics. On you know, so many levels. On so many levels. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just glad to be alive and kicking. Yeah. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, like, this is kind of, we've kind of gotten down in this, like, sort of, you know, why would anyone want to be a pastor? <laughs> kind of a mode. But, yeah, we're really recruiting um, well. So the... Uh, I was going to ask you what's the most annoying thing about Christians, but I decided to uh, rephrase that. We don't have enough time. For well, that. yeah. So I. I <laughs> oh man. Okay. I'm probably not getting invited back yeah. after this. <laughs> Be like Ray, who? I don't know. Stick with the notes. Stick um, with the notes. Well, so this is what I want to ask you. What What's the one thing, the number one thing, that as you look out maybe over the next twenty years of ministry, yeah. you you'd like. Parkview to be really, really good at? What was, what's the thing you'd like us to get better at? Um, well, um, I, I feel like um, we are at a cultural moment in America where the church can either begin to thrive or, or, or fail. And, and I think a lot of it, you know, I think I think a lot of it rests on us in the church um, moving away from being so critical of one another and being more compassionate and caring for one another.
because the world is watching us. You know, our message is grace and love and Jesus loves us and love your neighbor and all that. And we say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can't get along. We in the church cannot get along. We criticize each other, and we live in the age of public shaming. You know, Facebook, I think Facebook could do the most damage to Christianity as any, any, anything we've, that's been created in the last 20 years because of this, this public shaming and um, some of the crazy stuff we put on Facebook. And I, I'm just not sure it's all that helpful. But I, I think that the, the world is looking at us to see how, how true is this good news. And if we, if we can move beyond the critical side of things and really begin to care for one another inside the walls and care for those outside the walls, then I think we might be able to capture the moment and, um, and make a difference, you know, both for us as a church, both here regionally and globally, but I think for the church in America, if we could just do that, you know, but the question is, can we? Will we? Yeah, that, that notion of, um, you know, because I disagree with you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna attack you. Right. Here's, here's, a, and I mentioned this in the other service. My, my new saying: ridicule is not an argument. Ridiculing people, berating people, making fun of people because they're different or they, they think differently. It's, it's not an argument. It's not helpful. So, the other thing for me, though, as I look to the, to the future, the next, ten, twenty years, whatever. Um, I, I want us to be a place where we all, we all get, get this reality, that our mission here is not to get people to Parkview. You know, I, it took me a while to realize that in ministry because I thought, oh, yeah, we, you know, we got to get people in, get people here, get people here. That's not our mission. Our mission is to get people to Jesus. Whether or not they ever come to this church make, is irrelevant. I mean, I, I, they're invited, welcome, but... Our mission and our goal as the church is to get people to Jesus. That's what matters most. And I, w- I hope that we, we continue to, to cultivate that understanding and reality and to live out this good news of grace, not just in our words but in our lives, everywhere we go and how we interact with people and, um, and lead people, point people to Jesus, lead people to Jesus. And if they want to come along to church, great. If not, that's okay too, you know. So... That's what, that's what I'm hoping yeah, for good. the future. I, I hear people say, you know, all the time, um, I, I wish we could get back to being like the New Testament church, you know, which I don't think people really recognize what all that means. No, no. Uh, but the reality of it is that church was so effective at what they did because they led with their love, mm-hmm. right? Because they were, no one went hungry, no one went without. They, they led with their love, and that's mm-hmm. what made them culturally relevant and uh, abnormal at the same time. Well, it bolstered the truth. The, yeah. it, 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 it demonstrated the gospel that they were preaching. Yeah. It wasn't just words, you know. So, uh, yeah. I'd also, I'd also like to see us continue, you know, I would like to see us become the most socioeconomically diverse, ethnically diverse, um, generationally diverse church in DuPage County. That would be cool to me because I think that would be more reflective of, of heaven, you know, where we're all going to be different but be together. So we better start getting along now. I'm thinking uh, eternity is a long time. <laughs> eternity is a long time. <laughs> so, so That's funny. Well, um, you know, 12 weeks, that's a long time. Uh, what are you going to do? You're just going to sit around or know. what are you going to do? I don't know. Something. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I got some plans. I got plans. Yeah. Um, um, I'm going to do a lot of reading and maybe some writing. I don't know. But um, uh, we're going to, you know, Margie and I are going to fly out to California, visit our son. And um, we haven't seen where he lives in Costa Mesa, but we haven't been to his new apartment or anything. We're going to go out and see him. And then we come home. And then I'm going to spend uh, um, a week at a monastery in Georgia. Because I'm not the guy who says, oh, what am I going to do on my sabbatical? I want to jump out of an airplane. You know, that's, I'm not doing that. No. So, but I do want to do something out of the box. But I also want to do something that maybe gives God the opportunity to speak into my life in a way that I haven't had. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a monk for a week. Monk Ray. You have to wear the robe. I don't know what's going on. I don't know. I, I'm a little nervous about it because I've never, never even been to one. I don't even. I don't know what that's going to be like. It's going to be. Is there, I'm a little nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to. All the monks are going to leave when I get there. You're not allowed to talk. You not can't allowed talk. to talk. Can't, no, no talking. Mm -mm. Well, that's going to work out well. Yeah, that's going. <laughs> I don't know if there's Wi-Fi. Do monks use Wi-Fi? I don't. I'm not thinking there's Wi-Fi. So no talking, no internet. No, no. That phones. sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds otherworldly. So I think it'll be good. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. And then, and then in February we're traveling to um, to Israel. And uh, again, I'm not I'm not a, I'm not the touristy guy. I I like to avoid looking like a tourist. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just a weird thing for me. So for for me, jumping on a bus and hitting all the holy sites, just it's not really um, it's not appealing to me. So we're going with a different group where we will see some of the sites of Israel. Obviously, we'll be in Israel. But um, the goal in this, this group we're going with, the name of the organization is Telos. Their, their goal and their, uh, as an organization is to work to bring peace uh, among people groups in the Middle East. And so we're going to go and participate in conversations between um, uh, Israel, uh, uh, Israelis and Palestinians. And we're going to spend time with Palestinian families and Israeli families. And try to learn about the peace process, you know, trying to bring people who are very different, who think differently, to the table to talk. And the idea for me, and we've talked about this, that if we can learn to do that with Palestinians and Israelis, then maybe we can bring that back and apply it here. And we can, talk, we can bring people in our own communities who, who, are, who are different, who think different, differently, who have different opinions, to bring them together to dialogue and, and talk and because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the church has been really good at, good at making peace, helping to bring peace. So we'll do that. We're going to go to Israel, and then I'll do some fishing. Some some point there'll be some fishing. That's so, good. That yeah. means more stories. More fish stories. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it. I've gotten advice from a number of people who've done sabbaticals, and they say, don't overschedule yourself. But uh, So I think I think we're good. I think we've got a good balance. Good. Well, would you um, thank Ray uh, with me? So we're, we're going to transition into uh, just a, a moment of communion, but I, I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray for you and, and Margie. And uh, So if you bow your heads, we'll, we'll pray together. Father, we come before you this morning, and we are grateful. We're grateful for... Ray and for Margie and the, the family that they were able to uh, build here, the community they were able to build here.
for the church that they were able to impact and for the literally hundreds and hundreds of lives that they have touched over the years. And now as, as he leaves for a season of refreshment and replenishment, we ask God that you would meet him right where he is, that you would wrap your arms around him, that he would feel your presence, that he would know that you are here, that you'd give him new insights, you'd give him a new understanding, a new sense of hope, a new embrace of your grace. And then after some time, you'd bring him back ready and refueled for whatever you have in store for him next. God, we thank you for your church. A group of people who, broken and wounded, doing the best they can to raise you up, to elevate you, to make you the deal. Help us to be that. Thank you again for your love, for your grace, and your mercy. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray for us. Would you bow your heads and we'll pray together as we dismiss. Father, we do. We thank you for being our good, good Father. So often we um, maybe don't have the best examples of that in our real life. But we're, we're grateful for the example that you have made for us. And as your church gathers its belongings and leaves this building, I pray that you would give each and every one of us the courage and the strength to be a reflection of you, to be a reflection of that goodness to the world around us. That every moment of every day, we would work to be a reflection of your grace and your mercy and your peace. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks and have a good week. Happy New Year, guys.